I'm watching WLDS. Freaking dude. I'm watching it too. It's nice. I'm up up 24 bucks on it. I'm up 87 (laughs) bucks. So I I basically crawled from, I was down almost a thousand bucks today and I'm only down 460. It's been such a shitty day for me. Yeah. It was tough for me too. So I stopped kind of getting super aggressive and I, I just feel like I'll have like a couple wins and then I just give it back in like one big nasty loser, which is horrible. That was what I had been doing yeah. constantly most of last year. And I think that's one of the major things that I've gotten better at this year. Yeah. Because nice. like for all of us, and when I do my mentor sessions with Warrior, I'm like, raise your hand if you've ever taken a green trade. It's like the problem isn't making money. It's obviously giving back more than you're making. It's only worth it if you work for it. It's only worth it if you work for it. I won't stop till they hear me now. I won't stop till I wear the crown. Usually I'm pretty good at that. Today is one of those one of those days where I just I just can't get in do anything right, it feels like. So and yeah, I can't even get my camera to not blur my half my body. Mm. <laughs> So I'll be a floating head today, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I tried I tried many different lightings and stuff. Nothing's working. My, my room's a mess. We got back from the New York City trip. And then we're getting ready for some Airbnb guests. And, there, and then we're, we're also getting ready for another trip to Paniche for some surfing. So it's just like, there's just luggage and crap everywhere behind me. So I'm trying to ideally blur. Where, where is that? And Peniche, um, that's that's like an hour and a half north of Lisbon. So, oh, cool! Really awesome. It's it's a little south of Nazare. You probably know that the big big. That's wave awesome, wave. dude. You have to go there. Did you ever go there before? Yeah, two years ago we we surfed there for like six weeks. Not Nazare, but in Peniche. I was gonna we, say, holy shit! Then we took some trips there just to kind of watch. Mm. It's a cool place though. I mean, Portugal is insane. It's so cheap. Like we got a rental car for seven bucks a day. <laughs> That's awesome. And our air our Airbnb was like six hundred dollars for six weeks or so. It was insane. What? Yeah. Uh, what the hell? We were living the good life. That's insane. I need to get the fuck out of America. <laughs> America's so expensive. <laughs> yeah, fuck uh, this. What's up, Tom? Hey. Oh, he's got the mute on. There you go. If you're still looking at WLDS, <laughs> like that's why I'm not very interested in it. It's been trading like that since last week, since it started popping up. Just like terrible, terrible. Yeah, it's process. got these sketchy breakouts grinding up and then it flushes back down. Yeah, today's just, I'm, I'm going to probably not keep trading today. Same. Yeah, I'm locking it up. I mean, yeah. we've got one more day of the month left. I'm on a pretty solid month again, luckily, somehow. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it's, I'm, uh, like, like we were just saying, I've been doing a pretty good job of not giving back too many gains. That's what it's and all that's about. that's pretty much it. The, uh, um, I did start the day red, though. I started the day red 400 on top, and um, I just left it there. I'm still down 400 on top. Um, but then AI started popping up and I shorted AI from the top actually. And that was my first really solid hit of the day. Not got mm. me back to green and then well into the green. So you switched to large caps today. 
Well, I mean, it was the only thing that was moving. Yeah, um, so true. Like, it was the only thing that had volume and range. And it was clear direction, too. So, yeah. like, volume, range, clear direction. It was the only thing worth trading, in my opinion. Actually, my biggest winner today is coin. <laughs> yeah. At one point, I did the same thing. I said, screw these small caps. I'm down, like, 500 yeah. on beat. I'm down 400 on ACON uh ai slightly green on wlds slightly green on i just i could not catch a break today so yeah there weren't really any breaks today Todd's putting on sunscreen <laughs> yeah look at him go <laughs> as as you should be in this kind of market where what are you doing out there Tom? are you are you at the outer banks <laughs> i know he's uh in north carolina so um what Maybe the hell is he doing? <laughs> he's lathering up the lady. This is a podcast first. <laughs> this is yeah, for real. All right. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. So the month is almost over. That's I keep forgetting that it's one of those weeks where you it's like halfway through the halfway house weeks. <clears throat> yeah, it's a weird week. Not to mention yeah. it's a short week, and it's going to be extra short for me. I'm taking Friday off, so it's only a three day trading week, but four day for pretty much most people. So, how are you approaching that short week as far as like mindset? Yeah, so mindset was like I was I was thinking if I could just have like a decent green week. It doesn't even I don't I like no one day needs to be that good or a uh, small red. You know, today I'm I'm red it doesn't really matter. I'm just like, I kind of wish I was trading Friday, but I'm going to be totally gone. I'm going to be kind of driving. So on the road, um, I kind of feel like these short weeks, sometimes the, they heat up at the end, as opposed to normal weeks, they start off hot and then they get like slower. So mm -hmm. I'm a little, a little bit sad. I'm missing Friday, but at the same time, it, it was a pretty solid month for me too, based on how I started the year. And that's good. I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. You know, we're not like in yeah. amazing conditions yet. And... No, I mean, like in any case, Friday is probably not going to be super hot. Anyways, last Friday was super slow. Yo, yeah. Last Friday was really bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can't, you can't count on it. So you might as well like plan your own things and plan your life anyways. So if we were in a super hot market, then yeah, maybe it would make sense to like, try not to miss a day, but yeah, that's true. <clears throat> so, Tom, what are, what are you up to over there? I'm just uh, sitting by the pool. Ah, okay. Out. Oh, yep. Sad. So, that's really it. <laughs> how, how, how was your trading day? I knew you called it a little earlier today. Yeah, today today wasn't wasn't bad for free market. I got like small green with um beat on like a quick break of three and uh acon for the break of uh 150 uh and then i traded at the open i traded what was it uh and beat a little more and i was able to get myself like okay green like small green and then i was like there's nothing else to trade so i was looking at ai and i was trying to start to trade ai like a small cap and yeah, it usually just never works out for me. And I just got to keep reminding myself to stick with what I know and what I do well on. And uh, AI uh, wasn't 
wasn't it. It definitely did not fit but the parameters. Uh, I ended up giving back a little bit um, off the top there, unfortunately. But my mindset was just kind of like, oh, so large cap is moving. Let's let's try to get some practice in. And I did small size, but ended ended red. I tried buying the dips after it topped out. And um, the large caps are not really, you know, once it picks that direction, um, buying those dips not does not really end well. Yeah. I think you yeah, had the right idea of switching yeah. up though um, to larges. Like Danny and I switched up to larges and those are both our bigger winners. Uh, it's just small caps today. We're, we're so crappy. Yeah, definitely. Very, yeah. very weak momentum. <clears throat> large caps and mid caps. I mean, obviously they're very different. They just trade completely differently and you have to kind of be aware of that. I usually take like half or less less of my regular size and you just really have to be patient because they just tend to move in the same direction for much longer than small caps where it's like pop up little pullback consolidation pop up on the mid caps and large caps it's much more like grinding this way for a long time false breakout reversal grinding this way for a long time yeah and you're like trying to buy the pullback it's not really generally at all the same kind of pullback. It's like, yeah, that's kind of like pulls back for like 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pulls back for 20 minutes and then you end up averaging down and then it just goes lower and then it goes a little lower. You think, Oh, this is it. It's going to reverse. Let me add a little bit more here. And then before you know it, you're like down like way past before, way past more than you'd want to be down. And that's kind of like my problem today, but. At least I'm small green and, you know, I guess, I mean, I'll take what I can get on a weekday like today and today's like days like today really uh, define the successful traders and the people who are able to hang it up early and not push it. Um, those are the people that survive to the point where they, that hot market comes around because it always does. And if they don't get into a huge drawdown before then they're just adding profits um, mm-hmm. on, on the top once that market shifts. And that's the key. Um, you can't really push it on like a day like today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. I'm trying to wrap it up. I'm luckily. <laughs> so last week on the podcast, I gave back what, like seven or 700 bucks or so off my profit. And then yeah, right there in the middle like, but then like two minutes after we ended, I made it all back, which was unfortunate for um, the recording. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I was I was where I am profit wise an hour and a half ago. And then I started trading ATTO and um, it was when it had the first breakout through 250 and I got that long and I got the breakout and then um, somehow I accidentally went short on it. And so my green trade turned into a couple hundred dollar loss as it kept going. Um, and then I was like a little bit triggered and, um, just wanted to get my profit back and chopped around on it for like the next hour until now I'm finally back 30 bucks green on it. But, um, before that trade, I was like, all right, I'm in a good spot. I'm done for the day. And then I just, you know, anything can happen when you take that one next trade. Yeah. Yep. 
it's so easy to be like, ah, just like one more trade or something like that. And then all of a sudden you just give back, you know, 40% and then you're like yep. yeah. instantly on tilt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm calling it a day. Hours. Yeah. I'm calling it a day. I've spent a lot of money in the last like week or so. I bought a new espresso machine. <laughs> I got a watch last weekend. I need to like lock up my gains. <laughs> <So>. Jesus. <laughs> what kind of watch was it? Investment. Uh, I got an Omega watch for for the first time i have been wanting one for like as long as i can remember mm-hmm. that's cool so, yeah are watches like are they like stocks or they appreciate or is it just like immediately it's like buying a car and it's just immediately take a 20 percent haircut yeah. at, as soon as you drive off the lot <laughs> yeah exactly no it depends on the watch you're buying um yeah i bought a really classic model it's the one that was worn on the moon and um it has a lot of significant meaning to me. My grandpa was the head of the the organization with NASA that was building the Apollo rockets. Oh, wow. And so it's been kind of a dream of mine to own one of those for as long as I can remember. And mm-hmm. um, since I was looking at them like last time, probably five years ago or so, they've doubled in value. So, and I know that they're going to increase prices again um, in July. So finally, I was just like, I, sh- I mean, it doesn't make sense not to buy it before the price goes up again. And um, yeah, it depends on what what model and what brand and what kind of watch you're looking at. But if you're if you're looking at the right ones, they don't go down in value. So it is kind of an investment as well. Congrats, man. <laughs> That's you. a big achievement to be able to do that with all that success with trading. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really happy about that and proud of it. And at the same time, it's like, like we were just talking about, it's kind of encouraging me to make sure I'm doing the right things in here. It's like you spend, it's money in and money out. Like you got to make sure that you're locking up gains and you're doing the right things and working hard. And um, I want to make a lot more. So yeah. I was listening to this uh, interview of Stephen Ducks. You guys know him, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's like really into statistics, obviously. And he was he was asked the question, like, how do you sit around? Because he's like notorious for within 10 minutes of the market open. He already knows if it's going to be a good or a bad day. If it's anything mm-hmm. but an A plus day, he leaves. He doesn't care at all unless it's literally the best setup, like the top 10 of the year. And he's known for that. Like, that's his biggest strength. And this guy asked him, like, how how are you able to deal with the FOMO of not trading every day when you see all these people trading every day and doing all that? And he was like, honestly, it's really simple. Like, I did the statistics on, on the trading every day thing. And if you just trade the best setups of the year, you literally make like hundreds of percent more money. And he mm-hmm. was like, so that's a simple. He's like, I see the numbers. That's So that's what I do. It's pretty simple. It's not that complicated. I was like, damn, I wish I could see my numbers, but I guess for most people, the hard part is knowing what day the good day is. Right. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. That takes years. That's, a, that's the yeah. advanced skill. That's I think we've talked advanced. about that before. Like that's, and that's something that I've been working on like so much focusing on it in, in terms of just like focus and mindfulness about what kind of day we're having. Um, we have a trading psychology team with warrior and I work with one of their, therapists every week. And that was the biggest thing that we 
had been focusing on since last fall was recognizing what kind of day we're having early on. And like, you know, I'm up a hundred or 200. Was it easy? Was I chopping around? Was it difficult? I'm red a hundred or 200. What kind of opportunities are there still in the market? Is it basically just recognizing what kind of day we're having early on and, and attacking the day appropriately? That, yeah. Go ahead, Tom. I was just going to say the problem is with uh, like newer traders when they do have like a patch like that, when the market's cold and they're red and like, or they're this small red and it's supposed to be normal and that's supposed to be like a healthy day. Mm -hmm. um, and you just walk away and you come back later, uh, like another day when it's hotter. Uh, the problem is like when you're a new trader, you don't know, like I know Ross touched this on this before, but you don't know that you are a successful trader yet. And so you don't have that belief yet. And because this is like, you just don't have that history and you take that red day personally. Mm -hmm. And then you try to fight yourself back green because that affirms your belief that you can be a successful trader or you are a successful trader. And then that's what fuels a lot of really, really big red days early on in your career. Mm -hmm. And that's just like, I feel like that's the most of the time that you see people just kind of like break even. They have a lot of consistent green days and then just one day just completely washed out a whole couple of months of profit. And you're just kind of in that boom and bust cycle. Um, I think that is because of the emotions and that's because of trying to affirm that belief that um, you can be a successful trader or you are a successful trader and you know how to make money. And that first few red days, um, you're just kind of overcompensating uh, because you, now you're seeing, you're now you're seeing, um, proof that well maybe you're not as good as you thought maybe you actually don't know how to make money maybe it was just a fluke mm -hmm. i feel like it's so common anymore that whenever you see someone who's highly successful in trading you're like wow that is a really calm person and they just seem like they're not like a normal person that you'd see in reality yeah. where like a bird shits on their shoulder and they're like what the fuck this is fucking bullshit the universe did this yeah. to me oh and it's like that guy yeah <laughs> yeah and then there's the guy that you know birds sitting on their shoulder like oh that sucks okay i'm gonna go get a new shirt <laughs> and it's like that's the whole that's the whole process of emotions is oh that sucked i'm gonna yeah. get a new shirt just what's the next thing and uh in a way trading requires you to be a stoic if you are not a stoic i don't know how you ever make money in trading because if you take these things personally you're fucked i mean if you judge any of the results of trading then you're kind of just screwed from the get-go so it's interesting. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I think that like long term and like more generally in your life, you definitely need that stoicism and just like level headedness and uh, mindfulness, but also focus on the bigger picture, like not letting any one trade ruin your entire day to start with, or not letting any one day ruin your entire week or month or, you know, year or career. Um, at the same time though, like I'm, I can be pretty easy to set off. Um, and I know some of the other guys who are really successful, they are too. Um, it, it's hard not to take some of the losses personally, especially in this market where like, you're you're getting a nice breakout that just like completely reverses and slams on you it's like 
it can be hard not to take that personally. It feels personal, <laughs> especially some of the moves we've been seeing lately. Yeah. It, it does feel like the market's out to get you sometimes. <laughs> A-C-O-N and beat at the open felt personal. <laughs> I wasn't even looking at the, the top gappers out of the open this morning. I like I looked at the the gap list and it just was like, this doesn't look interesting at all. And I'm so tired of seeing the same names on the list every day. It's like GDC, GFI, yeah. Like, it's never good um, when they hang around too long and you have like six yeah. former runners on your scanner. It's like, oh, <laughs> and they, they all trade like crap every yeah. day. It's like not another day of this. So I was calling out in the room today. I was like, I'm so tired of seeing these same names. I, I need something new. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Did you guys see that one Twitter thing I posted in the discord that said how many gappers there are throughout the years? No, like twenty percent gappers. Let me check. It was kind of cool. Yeah, I saw that. Twenty percent or more. Yeah, it was like here. Let me just find it. You could put it up if you want. Two thousand eleven. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two twenty thirteen. There was only one hundred sixty eight twenty percent gappers in the whole year. 2022, 1,117. Oh, wow. So 10x increase in 10 years. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess not 10x, but it's close. So we Yeah, I do, I do feel like there is a trend. Like, I guess as the access to the markets um, come easier and cheaper, and it, it don't make sense that there'll be more participants. Mm -hmm. um, so I do see, and I do hope that trend does continue. I'm sure it will, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely partly due to more market participants, but then also I think COVID like really set it off. I don't know how many thousand, two thousand percent moves the market had seen as far as like in a yeah. one week period before then. And now people know that that's possible. And so they're making that happen more frequently. It kind of reminds me of sports where like the first person under a four minute mile, first person yeah. to like Michael yeah. Phelps doing everything he did. Like once anyone sees that it's possible, once it's done for the first time, people are like, this can happen again. Yeah. And then, and then it kind of happens again. Yeah. That whole mentality messes me up so much in my head. Cause I'm just like, dude, all I got to do is just tomorrow, just trade with 10 X my size. And then the next day, I'm fucking good to go. I'm ready. I'm a profitable. I'll be I'll be making a million dollars after that first day where I make a thousand. Yeah, you just don't look at don't look at your position or your share size at all. Just take the yeah. same trades. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's what you, I try to do. Do you want to talk about your your uh, what would you call it actually? Because I was just thinking the name. I don't even know what to call it. It's called Apex Trader Funding. It's basically yeah. just like a a funded account, I guess, is what I was trying to come up with. Right, like a you yeah, it's like a, it's a prop firm on the internet instead gotcha. of in person, basically. But my one friend bought it for me because he kept he kept I kept bitching about my own account and I was like, I want to trade with bigger size, but I don't want to risk my own capital. And he's like, just do this thing because he was doing it for multiple months already, and he was trying to get funded. And um, he's like, I'll do it for you. It was like $20, $15 because there was like a big discount. 
he bought it for me and then like two weeks went by. I didn't even like activate it yet, even though it was already running. And I was like, well, when this month ends, I'm not renewing this shit because I don't care to be in a prop fund. Like, I don't want to do this online funding bullshit. And then he, uh, I was like, I might as well just do the same trades I do, but with like 10 X my size. So I mm -hmm. did that. And like my first trade, I made a thousand dollars. Second trade, I lost like 200. Third trade, I made like 700. So I already made 1500, which is what you needed to make to become funded. And then, but you had to have a total of seven trading days. So for the next like six days, I just went marketed in and out with like one contract just to say I had seven days traded and I made $1,500. And I was like, this, that was the, it felt like there was literally zero effort in my, on my end. And I was like, this is just not going to happen. And then they emailed me and they're like, well, you passed all the evaluation requirements. Do you want to become funded? And I did that. And it costs like a hundred dollars a month to have a 25 K account through them. But obviously, if I make anything more than $500, I get to withdraw it. So um, it's pretty cool for me like because hmm. I want to use bigger size, but I don't want to risk my own money. So now I can use bigger size while I'm only risking $100 of my own capital every month. So because I'm paying $100 for the account, but I can trade with like infinite size. And until I lose $1,500, that's when they, they take the funded account away from me, which yeah. obviously mm -hmm. that'd be... I would have to lose a lot for a very long period of time to lose $1,500 total. But um, nice. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I've been trading in it for like a week. I'm down like $150 over the, the past week, but that's, not that's mostly happened. because I've been so not focused in trading. I've been working on that Airbnb cabin like nonstop every day. And I haven't reviewed any of my trading last week. And yeah, so I'm just not fully in it, but. Yeah, it's a little not interesting. time to not be fully in it. Yeah, like I keep thinking too, like, does this, can you even trade the S&P 500 and actually have edge? Like, I keep thinking that recently because I'm like, like, if you think about the stock market, obviously there's going to be in play stocks that are up a thousand percent on the day. Well, are you going to trade the stock that moves 1% a day or the stock that's up a thousand percent where there's a bunch of new people trading it? You know, yeah. the hedge funds are not really trading it because they don't want to take on insane risk. Like, yeah, you, exactly. And I, that, that conundrum like messes with me a lot. Like I think about that all the time where I'm like, is it really possible to have edge in the spy? Because even in the spy, it's not something where you can figure out if it's a good day in the first hour, you got to wait all day. Like you have no clue if at 3 PM, there's going to be a hundred point sell off. You just don't know. Whereas small caps, you know, right when you wake up, that ticker is up 200% with a million shares traded already. And it's like, that's clearly the winner. So yeah. you trade it, but I don't know if that exists in the spy. Like I try to, I've been trying to like comment on Lance Breitstein and just see what he thinks about it. Cause he's the <laughs> whole like broken slot machine, exponential bet sizing. And I'm like, does it even, cause a lot of people I see trading the spy, they don't do exponential bet sizing. They'll bet the same thing every time because that that's kind of makes sense because every day is kind of the same. It's not really, Yes. Is there 10% of days where there's going to be a huge trend and it's going to move 3%? Yeah. But on a day-to-day -day basis, that's not really going to happen. So I just, I think about that a lot. And I don't really know where to go from there. What does he trade? Uh, what does what he trade? Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. Lance? Yeah. Well, he's doing anything broken slot machine. So he'll he do like anything. a small cap, large cap, anything moving that's going to pull in a bunch of retail traders and suck out hedge funds and have a shit ton of volume. He'll trade it. 
Yeah, definitely the traders I know, they mostly trade small caps. Some will switch to large caps when those are broken, just like today. I felt like yeah. the large caps were the broken slot machine. Usually the small caps are, but I feel like personally, I don't know of any like full-time Forex or, or I don't really know Forex traders in general, but um, yeah. uh, index traders or futures traders. And if they- I only. And every yeah, time I do so. hear one, it's always like, you know, a $200 day is like a really good day. Mm. And it's like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I or Danny probably knows yeah. a lot more because you guys have a lot true, true. segmented. What do you think? Um, I was just going to say, I know, I know of two. Um, number one that you guys maybe probably have heard of, Ricky Gut Gutierrez. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does come he, to mind, yeah. Yeah, he's he was big on YouTube. He doesn't do as much of with the trading anymore. He's into like real estate and stuff now mostly. But uh, he started out on YouTube trading UGAS and DGAS. Um, yeah. yeah, and that that was actually my introduction to day trading. Yeah. Um, so he would trade indexes, and then um, those got delisted. But then he transferred that style and that knowledge into basically trading large caps. Um, so that's one. And then Umar Ashraf. Um, yep. He trades spy with options and yeah. um, he has made over $10 million in the market, but also is a big proponent of not trading every day. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Actually go, going to Ricky again, quickly, he's one of those people that I still feel like I watched one of his recent videos and he was like, my goal is to make my, it was like 200 or 300 a day. And I was like, he's been yeah. trading for so long that I feel yeah. like. Like you would never That's hear someone like Ross say, I'm trying to make two, 300 a day. You know, it's like, it's, it's very was saying that about it's, like now. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like with, with, with the SPY, it's like, or let's say an index is like, you, it's tough because the, the it's most of the time it's not broken. So you're like trying to get your quick base hit and then like kind of call it a day. I don't know. I'm totally, I could be totally wrong, but I'm, this is kind of what I feel like I'm always seeing in the space. But if, if you see like someone who's just trading the best ticker that day, you know, they have these 20, 30, $50,000 days. I guess I got to study Umar Azraf a little bit, see what he's saying. Cause to be honest, I don't know much about him. He's interesting. I don't know how much you'll take away from him and his trading style. Cause I, it's, it's completely different strategy. Like, the concepts that he's talking about in terms of like, you don't need to trade every day. It only makes sense to take a trade when you see something that has edge for you. Like that definitely applies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the type of trading he's doing is completely different from what we do. Yeah. He's one of my bigger, one of my more favorite traders to look at because he does very, uh, yeah, I, it's it's tricky. That's weird. That first of all, that's weird that Ricky's saying he's only trying to make two hundred dollars a day because I remember him trying to make like ten k a day from you guys, D guys, like at the peak of that. Oh, yeah. Maybe you know. Okay, that's good to know. Maybe I watched like one of those yeah. videos then. Like two hundred a day to him would be literally like, like even in his rental properties, he makes like multiple hundreds a day. Exactly. That was like so, I, I don't get the point. So I was yeah. maybe maybe he was just trying to. Yeah. Probably just. But, extra money for him i think it's not really a focus of what he's doing that much anymore like he has a private jet that he's thinking about like chartering out and he has a ton of real estate going on and yeah, yeah nice I think it, yeah i saw I think his it's office probably... was dope. 
It's yeah. pretty funny how the like once you see a trader get from the seven to ten million mark, it totally changes everything that they do. Like Umar, seven to ten million. Matt has money, seven to ten million. I don't know how much Ross has made, but I know once he hits seven to ten, he's well, definitely working a lot more on Warrior. You know, it's yeah. not like trading is his number one every single day. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's because he's teaching Warrior at the same time, but yeah. Same Ross. with Lance Breitstein. Like he stopped trading altogether basically in the last like year and he's doing like uh, educational content now. And it's like, yeah. there's kind of a cap. I, I mean, it makes the, the trading in the market teaches you to focus on where you can capitalize most. And right now it's not really in the market. Like yep. Ross's biggest day is like half a million dollars right now. Like why would he get bent yeah. out of shape and like focus so hard on the market right now when like $5,000 is a good day. Yeah. It kind of seems like it taps out around like a million dollars a year. I'd like it. I mean, you can have a $3 million year. Sure. If it's like a great year, but um, like any normal year for like, let's say Ross would be like, you know, a half a million or something. So then you start thinking, okay, well, if I put the same amount of time into a different project, but it it definitely gets you to a very financially stable place and you could always make yeah. more money trading. But there's probably that point where now you can look for different opportunities because you yeah. have, you know, that 2 million in the bank after a couple of years. That's trading. the thing. And you learn a skill where you can look at the market and like we were talking about earlier, like understand what kind of day it is and decide if you want to take a trade. And if you do take a trade on that right day, you're up 50 grand and like, it was easy and you can go focus on doing your other things. Like that's how, I think that's how you become like actually wealthy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Hmm. Back to the spy. I was going to say that, uh, yeah, like I feel like most traders out there that you see trading the spy, they're kind of looking for those like two to three scalps a day and that's it. It's just like, there's usually two to three good trades a day and you're kind of done. Whereas like small caps, it could, there could be a hundred opportunities. Um, if a stock is just ripping all day, you could just buy mm -hmm. every dip, you know, because the edge is kind of built into those tickers. If you're already experienced, like you're going to already be way better than like 60% of the people trading that ticker that day. Whereas me, I would literally have to trade for 150 years and have $200 billion. And then I'll be, better than 60% of the people that trade this buy. <laughs> it's know? hard to get an edge there for sure. Yeah. It's all just scalping, following a big hedge fund order, like trying to mm -hmm. front run them basically. But so are you yeah. saying you're going to go back to small caps? I honestly, I really would love, I wish I still had my PDT account and I didn't just put 10 grand into this cabin, but, um, but you had... could use the other account though, that you're, I have, I could trade options in other accounts and I have a cash, I have multiple cash accounts in TOS, but, um, and I have my IRA, but I mean, I could trade it with cash, but that just doesn't feel right. Cause I'd, I'd literally have to trade with like my max position size would have to be like, I'd want to give myself like 10 trades on a small cap and I would only be able to make like a, like $10, but yeah, I don't know. And then, and then you get to the point, then you get to that thing where it's like, Oh, I've been trading this for so long. Do I really try to change everything again for the 20th time? You know, right. That's something I'm always weary about because I know like if you just stick with anything long enough, you'll probably crack the code. Yeah. Um, 
there is that kind of opportunity cost though. I mean, the, the book quit, we, I kind of talked about it so much, but you know, at what point is it worth yeah. switching if you don't consider all the things you've done in the past? So like you started new today, what would you do? Um, yeah. That's always what you have to ask yourself because um, everything else is sunk cost. doesn't matter. That's a, that's like a really big reason why I wanted to do the cabin because I, if there's like one other thing in my life that I probably am a little bit better at than the average person, it's just like building shit because like, I just built like tree houses when I was a little kid. I built like just furniture and stupid shit and this apartment or whatever. But, um, so I was like, let me see if maybe that's something that will make me money. Like maybe I can build something and make it valuable to other people. And like, that's something else that could be good for me. Like the scary thought to me is trying a bunch of shit that I'm not naturally good at at all. And then I have to go through the curve first of just being a little bit naturally better than everyone else failing for multiple years. And then I get to the point where I can actually make money. But, um, mm-hmm. like even trading, like, I don't think I'm, I don't think anyone is naturally gifted. I mean, obviously there are people who do incredible things like very quickly in trading. And I think those are, those are, in part due to maybe they were a gambler before they were trading. Like, you know, I know there's a lot of people like this one guy, his name's like Danny trades or something, not Danny Kamaza, but he, uh, yeah, he trades like a spy and he'll, he'll make like 50 K in a trade. And then I listened to an interview of him and for the whole first two and a half to three years of him trading, he would literally go hundred percent of his account into an option on an earnings trade Mm -hmm. every day. That's it. Every day. And he would literally every day either be up 50K or lose 50K. And he blew like multiple accounts. And now he like uses that for clout and will make 50K and then post it on Instagram and gets all these followers. These people join his chat room and he makes money off of it. And I'm like, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. That's he would never make 50K if he wasn't gambling those earning plays before because he turned like $900 into 40K on an earnings trade. So, I mean, me, I never gambled ever in my entire life until trading. And even when I started trading, I did not want to lose any money. Like I'm an extremely risk averse person. So like to get to the point where I need to make 2K a day, that's going to take a long buildup of me learning how to gamble in quotes properly. But I think about that sometimes it's like, what if I just take all of my money out of my account down to 25,000 and just like maxed out my position on all of my trades that I think are good, what would happen? Yeah. I don't know. Probably not. There, probably not good. There are a lot of people I follow that like have, it's like, a, it's, they call it like a home run strategy. Yeah. Where you're going for home runs and like, you're not going to, you're only going to get like two a year, but those two per year are going to just make your account like quadruple. But I find that a tough strategy mentally. Uh, I, that's kind of what I was yeah. trying to do in the first quarter of the year where I was trying to hold my winners longer. And I would just have so many loses, losers. And then even if I did get like a 30% winner, I'd be like back to break even. Mm. And man, that threw me off so hard. I, I like the base hits, you know, you take those because like I had, I don't know if you saw my running PL from last week, but I had, you know, I think it was Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, I think both days. I went just like, it was almost a perfect linear line with like, you know, kind of like, and just one base hit after another, you know, some trades made 200, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes to 50 bucks. I wasn't using massive position size, maybe around like uh, $4,000 on average. So pretty small for what I should be doing. Um, but I ended the day up 700 and then and the, the next day, like 950 or something. So 
I don't know. I, I feel like building, taking those base hits is, is much better. Plus you get in a flow state and uh, uh, it's tough, but everyone's going to be different there. Uh, dude, I'm like the most streaky trader I've ever, like, I don't even, I genuinely don't even, I cannot fathom some of the stats I put up that are consecutive losses. Like it genuinely is like, you literally could flip a coin and just go long or short and, at any moment of the day and do like, not better than me, like, like three times better than me. Like I had <laughs> six, this is crazy. This is the craziest shit you'll ever hear trading. I've been trading for almost three years. Listen to this. In the last two weeks, I took, wow, no, this is actually worse now than this morning. This is painful to listen to. This is, this is going to be very sad. Okay. I've taken <laughs> 20, 19 trades that are long trades. Okay. Guess how many I've won. I don't want to. <laughs> One. Five percent win rate. Five percent. So, can you fathom then, so how what, crazy what that do you is? think you're seeing, and and how do you adjust for that? Because like obviously you're seeing something consistently that if you that is change... totally wrong. Yeah, like I should be right. doing the opposite of what I think. Yeah, basically. Yeah, if you just do the exact opposite, it would be an insane that, strategy. So when I think of that, it's like okay, well. It genuinely does feel like the market is watching me and they're they're like saying, okay, yeah. well, this is where he got in. And and I and obviously that's like the mentality that makes no sense. Everyone's always like, the market's never watching you. Like all these losses, they're not personal. Don't take it personally. But then at the same time, I was thinking this morning, I was like, wait, what if I'm in like that perfect window of time in a trader's life, a trader's experience where for the first year, you are an idiot. You genuinely are stupid trader. You just get long short. You have no idea what's going on. But year two, you kind of understand the market and you're kind of in like the same zone as the people who are actually making money, but you're not good enough yet. And then from year two to three, you're kind of just stuck in that in-between zone. And I feel like those are the people that the market actually does make money off of because you're thinking like, correct, right? You're logically making the right choices. You have the right ideas, but your execution is still off. Yeah. And the people who are making a lot of money that are up, they're trading for five or 10 years, they're seeing what you see and knowing where you would enter and they're playing like the game above you. You know what I mean? So it's like trading first level trader, you just long short anything, no idea what's going on. Level two, you're like kind of understanding things, but the market actually is kind of watching you because you're better than the noobs, but not as good as the pros. And yeah. then you get to the pro level where you can kind of look at it all from the top down and be like, Yes, today's going to be long. I'm not going to get long right here because the previous day close is five points below right now. The people are at a long right now are going to get swept out under that low. So once we take that low, I'll get long because I know that the people that want to get long are going to get long now and the market is going to swipe their liquidity first, you know? Yeah, I have heard that. I don't know if it's all brokers, but I've heard that some brokers, when you take a position based on your account history, if you're in the bucket of mostly winning or mostly losing traders, they will open another position either with or against you. What? Why wouldn't they? That's crazy. Yeah, it's messed up. That's wild. <laughs> well, yeah. But that. yeah, if most traders lose money, then it's a... Uh... It's it's crazy for them not to do that because it's uh, leaving a lot of money on the table if they're not trading against their Yeah, exactly. They have all of this data of True. these trades and traders and they know the stats and everything about it. And so like they see Johnny over here who opens his position and he's a terrible trader. Why wouldn't they take a position against him? 
that's crazy mm-hmm. poor johnny yeah mm-hmm. i don't know if it's totally true or not i think that where i heard it was this guy anton creel yeah um i don't know if you guys have heard of him he's a like an ex hedge fund guy who does talks now he's got a bunch of talks up on youtube i think that's where i heard that oh yeah this guy yeah no it's probably true i mean even if like let's say td doesn't do it itself they probably sell your data and then citadel do, yeah. or something like that right i mean that's the whole that's, point that's why they're point. free yeah so it's it's not surprising um, do you guys see uh like citadel and jp morgan's like trade uh win percentages no like jp morgan well it's all 51 percent. start with that but on a day-to-day basis because it's high <laughs> frequency right <laughs> yeah it's true danny it's a 51 <laughs> percent really do? on every trade but out of all the year they had i think it was jp morgan and i'm pretty sure it was like 2021 they were basing this off of but jp morgan was green like 225 days out of 248 so oh, the whole year, they only have like 20 surprising. red days. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. It's just like, wow, that's insane to think about. Yeah, that's not surprising. And it talks to how they're weighting their trades. Because if you're green 51% on any given day, but you're ending most days green, then it speaks to how you're positioning and weighting each of those trades. Mm-hmm. They're basically trading the range, and then when something starts trending, they just probably get cut it. Yeah, yeah. No, you were saying if you if you have a forty if you have a fifty one percent accuracy, you should naturally have fifty fifty one percent of winning days be winning and forty nine percent days be losing. You're saying the way that they allocate their their capital allows them to be profitable on those two hundred and twenty days, yeah. even. One percent win ratio, and that's 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 the skill and the experience. That I mean, those are my exact stats right now. It's really <laughs> weird. Um, my stats in the past, I have always had like a 65-70% accuracy rate on the day. My win versus loss average has always been about one to one. This year, <laughs> I've really kind of changed what I'm doing, and I've basically just like I have I have zero tolerance for if it's not going up or not doing what I thought it was going to, I'll just get out immediately. Yeah. I don't care. Um, so my, my accuracy, as far as like, I took this trade, I cut it. I lost one cent, but it still counts as a loss versus yeah. when I get in for that trade that does go my way and it goes 10, 20, 30 cents. That's how I'm solidly green on the day, but I only have a 51% win rate. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be where the trend is with my stats are going to. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good idea. Really. Because the, the risk reward uh, equation is, I think, the best or the most important. And I think so, too. And it's hard to like be working with beginners and teaching beginners and um, telling them what what they should be focusing on, because obviously getting good entries is, yeah, I think, like probably the most important thing. But like. Do you focus on getting good entries first and be okay with like a 30% win rate as a new trader? Or do you focus on being right most of the time with like a one-to-one or less than one-to-one profit loss rate? 
So I don't know. I think, I think maybe that just depends on personality. Yeah, probably it would be better to focus on risk reward because I feel like once you start telling the person, Hey, you need like a 60% win rate. And then they're going to be in the middle of their trade. They're going to be like, I can't sell this trade until I hit. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually go green, you know, and then I need to maintain. Yeah. Cause if you trade for your stats, you're going to be messing up. Sometimes I do it on, on pure accident where it'll be like near break even. I'll be like, but I don't want to close it for one set profit. Cause it's going to ruin my risk reward ratio. <laughs> and then I'll be like, did I just really have that thought? Like what a stupid thought to have. <laughs> Exactly. That's funny. <laughs> so, and yeah, then, and then you factor in commissions, and then you're like, okay, the less trades is the better. If you're paying commissions, and then you're gonna want to have uh, a lower accuracy, but a higher, like let's say five, four to one, five to one risk reward. Those A plus setups on those really hot days. Yeah, um, and you just you just buy it on the support, and just you hold it for a few hours. And when it's when one of those stocks go from like two to ten dollars. I mean, I see people trading it like that as well, and they only have one, one or two trades. That's impressive. Yeah, that's. I find that to be just so tough, so tough. Yeah, that's a great market for sure. Yeah, I wonder what the impact on the market price action is ever since commissions were taken away. Well, honestly, your chart with the more gappers is almost a perfect correlation. So TD Ameritrade, for example, is one of the last brokers to remove commissions. And that was in 2019. I think it was November. I'm pretty sure it was. No, it could have been October. Um, mm. Either way, it was like right around there in fall 2019. And your picture showed, you know, 2020, obviously because of COVID, but it already showed in 2019 more gappers. So mm. maybe there's a correlation there. Who knows? I mean, you're able to scalp finally. Like yeah. you weren't, you literally weren't able to scalp before unless you already were using insane size. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember much when I first started trading in like 20, 2015. I don't really remember much. Um, and But I remember just getting, I lost my account just from commissions, MTD. Five, yeah. Like five bucks, I think each way. So yeah, it was yeah. like six ninety five or five ninety five, something like that. It was it brutal. Was, there was no way for me yeah. to do it. I, I, I did a, like in twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, or both of those years. I did like a year and a half, two years of like day trading, and yeah, my commission some days were like four hundred dollars. You know, so like that's fucked. Oh, it was so painful because then you have your green day, but then you kind of barely walk away green, or you still have a red day, and. That was tough. Yeah. So you basically have to become more of like a swing trader. Yeah. Did you, you trade in 2015? Who traded in 2015? Yeah, that's that's when I started. And then I went on my really, really, really long road trip. And then after the road trip, I was trading crypto for a bit. And then I started, mm -hmm. and then the commissions went away. And then I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to go back to trading stocks. And that was 2019. But that's when I had to kind of learn a whole new strategy again, because I was really only trading like support and resistance zones. And I was basically trading bounces around those areas, which was working pretty well. Like I did crypto for two years on that exact strategy, worked really well, but the fees were pretty high, but it was, I was net profit. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was a grind. I didn't really like trading crypto because it was a 24 seven market. And most of the action does happen around open times of other exchanges, but it was just so inconsistent. You stare at the market for like five hours. And then, you know, the, the one time you go out for, you know, a workout, that's when everything happens. And I was like, this market's <laughs> driving me insane.
Yeah. I, I still occasionally swing trade it, but to me, I found that crypto is better to invest in, you know, buy some Bitcoin, buy some NFTs you really like, especially probably now compared to, you know, when they were hot um, and just plan to hold it for like three years and you'll probably be oh. fine. My problem with crypto is twice I basically had to start totally over. One time I got hacked and I lost like 27,000. And then now oh. with with BlockFi going bankrupt, I lost at the high, my account had 50K in it. And now it's all gone. Oh, wow. So, oh so that's that's a different risk with crypto, I guess. Yeah, it's like you do everything right. You know, I was I basically, oh the only thing God. I didn't do right was cold storage. I have some in cold storage, but it's such a small amount that it's almost worthless to even talk about. But it's just like so painful. Like my experience with crypto, it's like, mm. so how did you get hacked? The the hack was um it was actually such a long story. We have uh, we even had Homeland Security come to our house. They even caught the people, mm-hmm. and we were part of like a larger SIM SWAT attack. So basically, our phone numbers were compromised at AT and T, and they used that two factor authentication to get into broker. Wow! And there was wow. like a hundred and fifty plus. They're all YouTubers, um, so they must have got you know our credentials or my credentials from youtube then they looked it up okay their phone number matches the name and boom it was actually pretty savage they caught the people it was two kids and they they're in like juvie now but we never had to get our like we never got our money back you know you would think at a bare minimum if someone gets like convicted with a crime like bare minimum should be to pay the people back that you stole from you know yeah that's so weird why the fuck how are they not required to pay you back in some I don't way? know maybe they it, it didn't really say anywhere but maybe they said like in the court um like they don't have the money anymore I have no idea I guarantee you they, they, you can't you can't like sue them though uh, we seize tried. Their assets we, we tried that. but um it's also like we were working with a lawyer for like a year and a half trying to sue them but there's ugh, dude it's tough it's more of like um tough luck basically like there's no real thing you could sue them on you basically yeah. just wait how are they were able to get in your computer though and not my computer sim swat so it's like they they um that never do phone two two-factor authentication it's if i didn't have phone 2fa two-factor authentication like sms i would have been fine um they basically well, took over my phone i didn't have my i couldn't use my phone anymore like i couldn't make any calls like my sim card was basically deleted because once you get a new sim card your old one basically gets canceled so they had basically my phone in their phone and they reset my passwords i lost access to my um my email account because they changed the authentication on my email account too oh dude it took like a month to get my main personal email account back that was who wow, at the time. That. So I it was it was pretty traumatizing. That's terrible. Yeah. Weird. So never never use 2FA on your phone. SMS is like so easy to hack apparently and this happens all the time. Um use like, you know, like the Google um random code generator or something like that. So far I hear those are very safe. <laughs> so didn't they have to go and get your account on whatever platform you were using for crypto and then take the crypto and withdraw it into their bank account yes well they withdrew the crypto and they put it on like some random wallet and then they kept moving it uh 
I wish I could, I could like be like, this is where it's at. It's on this wallet, but you know, then, then I think they use like a scrambler or something. We weren't really able to trace it at a certain point. Jesus Christ. But yeah, it was, it was pretty sad, you know? So I'm, I'm a little bit like butthurt with crypto. Like I was, I, I still yeah. kind of really like it because I started using crypto originally to pay clients internationally. And it was amazing because it was like, oh, we want to send a Western Union to, I don't know, we have a freelancer in India or something, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Like a wire transfer. It's so expensive. But then I was like, oh, let's just use Bitcoin and Litecoin. And like, I was, I was, because we had an affiliate network like five, six years ago with my brother. And we were sending out payments to all these uh, affiliates all over the world. And it was just so simple with cryptocurrency. So that's actually how I got into it. So I really like crypto for its use case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we you know, started building up our portfolios. So it's, it's kind of sad that like that's my end experience right now with cryptocurrency. It makes me a little bit hesitant to get back into it. Yeah, yeah. I, could, uh, I could imagine. <laughs> it's like ugh, such a start over. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, it's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, dude. Holy shit. When did that, oh. that happen? A while ago, you said, right? Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, the BlockFi one happened last year, actually. That was the big... That was... The, the oh, hack yeah. happened in 2018, I think. 2019. Um, and then the, uh, the BlockFi... Yeah, when did... That was 2021, I'm pretty sure. That was, like, right after Lunar went kaput. Mm. isn't that kind of fucked up to think that even though we spend every single day for multiple years trying to mitigate our risk there's just some risks that will wipe you out and there's and it'll literally take you to zero and there is literally nothing you can do yeah i what i started doing after those two incidents and like i have a third incident too it's not it's more my fault, but I had a life insurance and had a whole life insurance plan. And I put like $27,000 into it already. And then I did like, I kind of went back to the Excel spreadsheet and I was like, you know what? I really don't know if this really makes sense. And I made a whole YouTube video on it. It was like whole life insurance first term, or I think I titled it. It's one of my most popular YouTube videos, but I basically came to the conclusion, this really doesn't make sense for me. And I closed it. So that was like another large chunk of money that was just gone. But from all those experiences I learned, I was like, you know, if you just take like every Sunday to or like every, you know, morning to just think about like, what happens if I get hacked? What happens if I, you know, if this happens or if the dollar just has hyperinflation? Like what are, what are like my plan Bs? How am I diversified? How am I secure? Basically throw yourself into like a stress test that banks do and do that on a regular basis. And that's what I do now. So I have like a lot of backups and that's what I would advise everyone to do just to, because be careful. Like sometimes you just get screwed, you know, life happens. And sometimes we also make bad decisions. Like I should have never had the whole life insurance. And if I did do it, I should have just done it with a lot smaller money. But at the time I was making a lot of money and I was thinking like, hey, this is a good idea. Like screw it. You know, I just mm-hmm. kind of, I didn't really look into it so much. I was like, yeah, it's kind of like forced investing, which it's not at all. <laughs> we, want, we, we, don't, we don't need to talk about it, but um, yeah, just uh, always do stress tests often and think and take time off to just like, think about, Oh, you, you work so hard to build wealth. How are you? Yeah. Protecting it? you know. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of goes back into like, make sure you pay yourself when you make money trading. Like don't let your account just grow to hundred K from 25 and you never paid yourself. That's <laughs> scary. Exactly what I did. 
yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I've I've done that twice or so. The first time I let that happen, I got into like the mid eighties, and then and then the next month was like a twenty six thousand dollar red month. Yeah. Um, and then last fall, when I was having a couple red months in a row, I recognized that at least, and I withdrew like half my account. Mm-hmm. So. You only need that to happen like once or twice before you make yeah. some corrections. Yeah. And and the, the guys that trade with big money and have big profits and profits and losses in our chat rooms, they will size down their accounts. Mm-hmm. They'll take like, you know, a couple hundred thousand out of their account so that they can't do that because yeah. whatever is in the account, they will probably use it. Yeah. At one point, yeah, at one point there's going to be that situation. Uh, it's very smart, especially if you're a short seller. Uh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's out of your control. A ticker will just start yeah. bulking up and like, you know what, yeah. when you're, you get your margin call, that's when it's going to stop. <laughs> like, so if you yeah, leave exactly. your money in there, yeah. you're, you're really risking it. Oh, uh, dude. Imagine being full size into a short and it just halts up and then it halts up again. And then you're like, shit, the only way for me to get out is to mark it out. And you have like 2000 shares or something. And then you get, you can only fill like a hundred per halt up. Oh, it just that's what happened on top. That had yeah. to happen on top overnight. Uh, yeah. Who who came out of the video? Wasn't it uh, uh, Jack Kellogg? I know Alex Tem mm-hmm. has lost 450K on it. Yeah, I think Jack lost like 350 or 330 or something. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so brutal. I mean, that ticker went from like, two bucks to 250 and it was like 100x or something crazy let me see here no it was like five bucks or six bucks but it had a low of three dollars and fifty cents like right before that like a couple months before that yeah i heard this story about these guys that shorted the facebook ipo and (laughs) supposedly uh i don't know if they shorted it or longed it whichever way they were in the very wrong direction and um and it was right whenever the ipo started and something happened with all the brokers where they basically lost everyone's orders. And then Mm. the next day they had to like put the orders back in wherever the price currently was. And it just blew up like all these people's accounts because they were like short at like 30 and it went to like 80 or something. And they didn't even know they were short because it said they were out on their broker, but then the broker just met messages them the next day. And they were like, Hey, we fucked up and we lost your entire account because we mixed up all the orders and sorry. That's exactly what happened on COSM a few months ago. There was a reverse split. And then the new the new stock, basically, the QCIP number hadn't changed on some of the brokers. So the QCIP number is the identifying number of the stock itself. And I guess when a reverse split happens, that changes. But for some brokers, it hadn't changed yet. And then like midway through the morning session, it did change. So same thing happened. People yeah. got really screwed on that, but that's also why it went from like 23 cents to $25 in a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 23 cents. Yeah. Another hundred X mover. hundred X. <clears throat> so funny, bro. That's disgusting. It's like, damn, I just need one hundred X and I'm chilling. And then you look at like drunken Miller and he bought Nvidia at like fucking one fifty. And then now he's up like 75% and is up like $80 million this year alone on <laughs> NVIDIA. And it's like, oh, I'm a bitch, actually. It hit a trillion wish... dollars today. Did it hit a trillion? Wow. 
Yeah, it's at actually, oh, wow. it's actually at a trillion right now. It's a one trillion and one billion, almost two billion. I doubled my position on it last week from, well, from two to four and then to eight. So this is in my Roth where I do a little shares? bit of swing trading. Huh? You mean eight total shares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Really, really tiny position before, uh, before earnings, I had just a two share position on it from like, mm-hmm. like 150 or something like that. And then so after earnings... Up. Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of tracking the market um, right before earnings. I didn't even know that earnings were coming up or that it was going to be as good as it was. I just saw the market and I was like, it looks like it could be a good time to add to tech. So I yeah. I just added two more. And I guess I was kind of planning to like continue building into my positions as the market um, strengthened up and as tech strengthened up. And then, and then that 300 to 375 on earnings happened and I was like well I guess I missed that (laughs) um but then I added more at 380 last week and it's doing well since then so I'll keep holding that from now for now Nvidia is the next Tesla baby it kind (laughs) of seems like it yeah it it does all this all this AI stuff the hype is like palpable yeah especially after the earnings. I mean, I, I shorted Nvidia like the day before earnings and made like 50 bucks. And then right when the earnings happened up, like, you know, if you're looking at all the charts on TOS, whenever something crazy happens on a ticker, every other chart kind of like flickers and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just looking, I was like, what the hell is going on with these tickers right now? And I looked up and I see Nvidia from 300 to 350 in a second. And then I'm like, holy shit, it's going to go to 400 like tomorrow. And then by the time I even thought that thought, it was already at like 385. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. And you were short. No, yeah. I made 50 bucks. If I would have not sold that position though, I would have lost the entire premium, which was $1,000. So yeah. Uh, But there were people that bought $34 calls and that's, they could have sold them at open next day for, I think it was like 8,000 for $34 position size. Yeah. Well, nobody knew that their earnings were going to be that huge. Like I read a couple of, I didn't read the earnings, but I read a couple of the headlines about it. And um, there were two major firms. I forget which ones they were. One of them might have been JP Morgan, but they were saying it was like the most major earnings beat and most major like pivotal type of performance in a company that they've seen in the last 10 or 20 years in terms of the AI stuff um, that they were also talking about in their earnings and the potential they see for, Mm -hmm. for the company with AI in the next, you know, foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah. But they have like, it was like 37% or like quarterly growth or something like it was insane. That's that's absurd. It doesn't even make sense. (laughs) And for a company size to grow that much in a quarter. Yeah. It's insane. So makes sense that they're up so much. I mean, it feels a little crazy buying it now. It just had basically a three X run, but mm-hmm. uh, I was, they were talking about it on the all in podcast quite a bit. If you guys want some good insights on NVIDIA, I would definitely pop that last um, podcast and you could probably timestamp it, find the timestamp. But uh, in a nutshell, they were kind of talking about like their multiple right now is their EBITDA multiple, I think is around like 70 or 80. And they're just like, you know, that's, Sure, it can keep going up, but um, that's a lot to uh, 
That's that's a lot lot to fill in. Um, so and then now there's all these other companies coming out with their own chips and everything, so that are trying to climb at the market share. So uh, sure, there's there's probably more upside, but uh, it's you're definitely buying a premium right now. Mm-hmm. Dude, imagine of- it's really cool though. Like if you were a person that bought anywhere below three hundred, you kind of just locked that in. Like on that earnings day, if you bought anywhere below 300, you're good to hold for like at least five years now. You know what I mean? Because I doubt it's going to go from 400 back to 300. Obviously anything can happen, but. That's kind of what I'm trying to think about and like plan on. Because so this is in my Roth and um, like I do think about day trading in my Roth at some point when I feel like I have enough just available capital between my trading account and checking account and like that kind of stuff. I would like to transition to trading a little bit more day trading in my Roth just to, you know, pay less taxes. But Mm -hmm. for the meantime, it's mostly swing trading that I'm not really looking at day to day. Yeah. Um, But I do think about that stuff kind of frequently is like what kind of opportunities and potential we have there. And it seems like NVIDIA is I mean, it's it doesn't even seem like NVIDIA is a market leader right now. Very similar to Tesla accumulation for now. NVIDIA is the yeah. market leader. It's not, yeah. it's it's the number 100% leader right now over Tesla, right, Apple, like, Microsoft, Google, Amazon. I added, to, I added to NVIDIA, TQQQ and Apple last week and those are doing well. But like I think about um, Tesla a couple of years ago, it went from like yep. 300 to 1,000 to uh, like 2,000, 2,500 or so before it had the split in August of 2020. And then it went from like 500 back up to like 2,000 and then split yep. again. And yep. it's like, I mean, what Tesla's was the market cap per- back then? Oh, I have, I have no idea. But- they, hit a, they hit a trillion, but I don't know if they went much more than like 1.2 trillion. I'm trying to figure that out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only thing holding Nvidia back is the fact that its market cap is already that high. Market cap is freaking massive. It was, if it was like four hundred dollars, but with like a you know two hundred billion dollar market cap, I'd be like, yo, this. Oh thing, shit! Yeah. You know, but it's valued. Yeah. yeah. That market cap. You never know, though. I mean, in terms of like thinking about the products and potential, I would think that a company like Nvidia, software based with AI focus, right now has a lot more potential than Tesla, which is kind of tapped out and. Um, like they're not really doing anything groundbreaking at this point. They're doing well, obviously, but the hype's um, dead for Tesla. They're a solid company. They'll stick around. They're also, I think solar city is part of Tesla now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like they're doing, they're doing good things. Um, like I, I don't think it's a bad investment at all as far as, um, like energy and their cars, they're doing pretty well with the cars too. Um, but I don't think it has at least the same kind of growth potential right now as something like NVIDIA with AI and tech. Yeah, no, I feel yeah, like I don't think it's even close. I mean, just the, just the, I mean, this is kind of funny that we sit around all day and like our job is to pretty much find a hype before it exists. And mm-hmm. uh, this is like, this is probably the first time ever in trading where I'm like, okay, I kind of saw that a little bit before I didn't trade it. I didn't get long on NVIDIA like I should have. But that's like the that's like one of the best examples since I started trading that I've actually noticed where it's like this is straight up like a tulip mania type thing where you know, especially once Chat GPT comes out, came out, 
that was like a big stepping stone for people like me, who's not, I'm not a developer. I don't know shit about AI really, but like using that one product alone, I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. It can definitely save. If I was writing emails all day, I would literally my day, if I wrote emails for two hours, it would literally be 20 minutes now. And yeah, there's probably a lot of people that are using it for that exact reason. And you need those kind of people to, to be using AI for that reason to make AI become a hype. You know, yeah. like it's not going to become a hype because Stanley Drunkenmiller and fucking Kramer like AI, you know, it needs to be like our grandma. If Kramer likes AI. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Drunkenmiller, should I put him with Kramer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, day that, the day that Kramer tweets bullish on NVIDIA, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Hopefully he's still uh, bearish on it. <laughs> I'll give he was in like November. <laughs> so. There's uh have you guys checked out QuiverQuant? They have a really good website where you can like see sentiment and um, politicians, what they're buying and selling. And they have a, a really good Instagram that they go into depth on some of these videos and like short form content. Uh, I highly recommend checking them out. Yeah, you haven't done out. so. Um, but yeah, it kind of shows if you type in a stock on QuiverQuant, they'll show like politicians, are they buying and selling it? They'll do like, you know, what are like, is, you know, what, what does Kramer think? They kind of do like all the classic like Wall Street bet stuff, but mm. they have a lot of uh, technical insights. It's nice. It's different than Finviz. Mm. I saw a really interesting headline last week on a small cap, but I forget which one it was. And it seems to not be that significant right now because it's not still popping up. Um, but the headline was this company partners with this company to uh, basically basically combat like fake news and fake. It was right after the fake image and fake video of the bombing near the Pentagon last week. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was really uh, recent. Yeah. Um, Do you remember the name of it? No, but I was, I typed into chat. I was like, this is the kind of headline I've been looking for. Cause we keep seeing more and more videos. Like if you follow wall street bets, uh, their Instagram is kind of funny, but like they'll post videos of overdubs on JPal saying all kinds of crazy things. And it looks real. And it's insane, um, yeah. like, it's kind of scary to think about that. And I know that there are a lot of scams going around with AI right now voice generators and videos video generator a lot yeah. generation um so i've been really thinking about that being a next hot sector is like cybersecurity <laughs> countering that so we saw that headline last week i don't i don't remember what stock it was but um like that's the kind of headline i'm looking for yeah that's going to be a huge huge problem so yeah cybersecurity stocks i'm not even following any but i think that's a great Great industry to check out. Uh, crypt, uh, trading community can use some of that. There's always mm -hmm. so many scammers in this community. Yeah. That's exhausting. Yeah, honestly. That's uh, probably one of my least favorite parts about the trading industry. It's like, oh, there's so much cool stuff about it, but then it always has such a bad rep for mm -hmm. everyone else. Bro, I'm about two losing trades away from becoming one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, had crazy, a bunch of... it's it'd be so easy it'd be so easy it really would yeah. these kids are so fucking dumb man you literally just <laughs> get a paper account 10k two seconds watch how i made 10k in two seconds these yeah. kids are like how do i do it how do i do it how do i do it 
you give just me your me money. 20K, bro. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give me 20K. I'll make you 50 in the second day. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. I've had a bunch of fake <laughs> accounts made of my Instagram, which is really annoying. And then, and then it's especially annoying when my actual friends are like, Hey, just so you know, um, <laughs> it looks like you have a fake account or like this account messaged me. Is this you? And I'm like, no, thank, thanks for letting me know. I'm aware of it. There's nothing you can do. Like I've reported nothing. all of them. Instagram does nothing about it. It's, it's, it's a plague. I've tried to figure out so yeah. many solutions. There's nothing. I'm just like, just ban the person. I've had friends that had like two day long conversations thinking it was me. Yeah. Oh my like, God. Oh man. Oh, wow. It's so painful. It's. Uh... Yeah. I got DM'd by a fake Danny. Did you? Mm. I think yeah. I sent it to you. Yeah. It was I a think, while ago. I think you did. Yeah. Like a month ago. The worst. I'm still waiting for my Danny DM. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I'll just slide into your DMs on my own. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. Send me a beat. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I'm always here for a for a good short funny video. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, any thoughts going forward before we wrap it up? Trying sure. to take it easy. Tomorrow's the last day of the month. We'll see what we get. No need to push it. Just trying to be patient to to take a good trade if it's there. Um, Aside from that, that's it. And then all of a sudden we're in June. Yeah. 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 I'm not ready for that. <laughs> that's crazy, right? Year. Yeah. Yeah, that's and not wild. quite one more month for that, right? I am. Yeah, one more month, halfway point. Crazy fast. Yeah, uh, that's true. You said, well, last summer we didn't, last summer we got okay gappers. Um, this summer we'll see if that changes. I wouldn't maybe be last summer was just because of COVID. Q1 was so crappy that maybe we're just going to have a great like Q3 or something random as hell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'd be up know. for that. Me too. I would love for some really good trading. Although I take a lot of days, random days off in the summer because of trips, but we'll see. Uh, it's good yeah. to recharge as well. Uh, yeah. Colby, yeah, for you, anything with the, with the funded account? The I'm going to keep trying to do linear bet sizing for now try to identify if a setup is a da dcab dcba whatever go one through four accordingly and try to not feel like the market is watching my <laughs> trades but uh <laughs> they're trying to scoop up your 10 shares <laughs> no literally it's like damn bro you got <laughs> you are my 50 dollars that fucking bad just, <laughs> just fucking take it okay <laughs> you you. Can have it. <laughs> take my 50 bucks jesus christ uh, that sounds like defeat if i've ever heard it. <laughs> dude you ever been in a trade so long you're just like yeah holy shit just fucking do it i don't care anymore <laughs> fucking let me go outside jesus yeah Christ. just just kill me now dude yeah my last I've two weeks there. straight oh man colby i can't wait till you you break the 100k mark <laughs> let me be more shit. happy than you <laughs> it might only take me 100 fucking years <laughs> You'll get there. Now, once 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 you start getting the hang of it, I feel like it's going to yeah. start flowing in, in yeah. for you. Yeah, I, I just need to. Your scalability that. is a lot easier than than the small caps, that's for sure. True, yeah. yeah, that's the one thing I got going for me. I only have to fight uh, Ken Griffin. It's not a big deal. <laughs> what? 
Ken Griffin's my competition. You guys are fucking fighting against like a dude who got a stimmy check. Yeah. <laughs> Some like Tim Sykes subscribers. Yeah, That's seriously. True. Yeah. Ken Griffin's front running all the other dummies like me that pretend to trade the spy and <laughs> act like we have edge. <laughs> uh, yeah, he seems like a smart guy. All right, guys. Well, I'll see you in the discords. Have a great week, yep. everyone. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Take it easy. See you guys. <laughs> Ciao, everyone. See ya. See ya.